Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and com. So we're down to our last couple weeks of the legislative session. And yes, it's crazy over there. Uh, we've had some... I don't know, 4,477 bills that have been introduced in the Minnesota House and the Senate's not far behind that one. Have you ever read the Minnesota Constitution? Because if you haven't, you should uh, pay attention to it. There is, and we've talked about this on this show before, the single subject rule. It's in the Minnesota Constitution. And almost every single time I talk about these omnibus bills, I talk, the garbage bills, the everything but the kitchen sink bills, um, I, I yell about them when the Democrats are in charge. I yell about it when the Republicans are in charge. I yell at him when we have lawsuit uh, opinions coming out of the Minnesota Supreme Court. And the bottom line is, how do you get around the single subject rule in the Minnesota Constitution? Easy. You make a title that's seven pages long. A title. Seven pages long. And this year, we saw an especially creative example with Senate File 3656. Seven pages long. That we'll we'll come back to Senate File uh, thirty six fifty six in just a second. Uh, the House is doing no better. The House had their own bills over there. Instead of making one big giant bill, they made four pretty big bills. And eventually, they're all going to be combined in together because remember the bills have to be passed by both the Senate and the House. So. Last week, we had the House Ways and Means Committee uh, got together, and they assembled a huge piece of legislation. It was the Omnibus Agriculture, State Government, and Environment Finance Bills. Chair Jim Knobloch, Republican out of St. Cloud, said that he planned to combine all those bills into one giant omnibus job growth and energy affordability finance bill. Now, what is especially funny about this is Jim Knobloch is the chair of this committee. Jim Knobloch was the one who filed suit against the Minnesota Senate when they tried, when they passed successfully the $90 million Senate office building, which, by the way, go over to the Capitol and check that out. I tell you to go over to the Capitol, check out the $320 million uh, renovation of the state Capitol. It's stunningly gorgeous, just absolutely so beautiful. You shouldn't miss it. Take a road trip over there, uh, preferably during the legislative session so you can uh, help buck up some of the Republicans and help tell some of the Democrats to stop being so crazy over there. Um, but Jim Knobloch, the Supreme Court, turned him down in that $90 million uh, Senate office building case. Uh, one of the claims that he said was that was a violation of the single subject rule. So the Minnesota Supreme Court ruled that as long as it's in the title, 
Uh, oh, just go ahead and do it. Thanks for nothing, Minnesota Supreme Court. So now we've got these giant bills where the titles are five pages long, six pages long, seven pages long, covering everything but the kitchen sink. And it just makes me so furious. Uh, it's not very often that Senator John Marty, a Democrat out of Roseville, and I agree on something. But Senator Marty is actually considering a lawsuit that would challenge what he considers the legislator's chronic abuse of the Minnesota Constitution single subject rule. And you know what, John Marty? I'm on board. I'm on board, and I think it is chronic abuse. It is so ridiculous. I can hardly stand uh, how, how, how they abuse this. And I've told the Republicans all year they should have been passing bill after bill after bill after bill and sending them to Governor Dayton to either veto or not veto uh, through the whole entire legislation. Instead, we get this ridiculous uh, abuse of the Minnesota Constitution where they throw everything but the kitchen sink into these giant, giant, giant bills uh, and, and ram them through. We get bad policy that Governor Dayton has promised to veto. Uh, we get uh, policy that could never pass as, as a standalone bill, which should tell you something right there. Uh, and because they throw everything in it but the kitchen sink, they have to put bad stuff in there or something that a particular legislator wants just so they can get enough votes to shove all this stuff through. This is not how it was supposed to be done. Uh, John Marty, who's been in office since 1986, that should tell you people in Roseville, he's been there long enough. You need to put a new senator in there next time the Senate's up for uh, up for you know, re which is still two years away, by the way, when when they're up for election again, the House is up this November. The Minnesota Senate is not up for two more years. John Marty said that the uh, violations of the single subject rule, it's the worst it's ever been. And that's not saying that it was pretty good before. It just totally fell off a cliff. It's been on a decline for the last couple of years. Make that 20 years, John Marty. Uh, but this is nuts. Uh, John Marty was referring to the Senate's uh, mega omnibus supplemental appropriations bill, Senate File 3656, which is in the early stages of, oh, my gosh, what did they have, a 10-hour 10-hour debate on it. Um, Marty rose on the Senate floor to jokingly offer the bill a satiric new title. He said it would be a bill relating to practically anything and every everything, allowing sugar beet transporters to leak liquids on the roads, exempting hair braiders from cosmetology requirements, appropriating funds to clean up two lakes near Alexandra, Alexandria. His mock title droned on for two minutes before he stopped reading and he was only halfway through. John Marty asked the Senate bill's author, Senate Finance Committee Chair Julie Rosen, how do you call that a single subject? Julie Rosen, in her floor introduction, described the 594-page-plus appendix bill as, uh, did you get that? 594 pages plus the appendix uh, as a modest spending proposal. 
compared to last year's $46 billion biennial budget bill. That's true. Senate file 3656 contains only 81 only, only in their world is 81 million only new spending for the fiscal year 2018. Julie Rosen explained that her bill contains simple cleanup language. A supplemental finance bill that deals with some of these issues is extremely appropriate, especially since we've been doing it this way for a very long time. So that makes it okay, Julie Rosen? Really? Really, Julie Rosen? Sorry, we expect better of you. So the Minnesota Constitution demands that each bill cover a single subject. A topic must be reflected in in the title. This is interesting, too, because not only was the case uh, with Knobloch and the $90 million Senate office building, but it had a, another recent test with the state Supreme Court's April 3rd, um, sorry, April 18th ruling, Otto versus Wright County, Ramsey County, and... What's the other county? Why do I always forget that third county? Uh, Anyway, that case, Rebecca Otto um, and several counties that hired private auditors, the legislature passed a law. They said these counties can hire private auditors uh, to to do what they need done. Otto challenged it, um, challenged the legislation, saying that it violated the single subject clause by mixing the private auditing provision with varied unrelated laws and the Supreme Court disagreed. And thanks for nothing, Supreme Court. Thanks for nothing. So, John Marty, if you want to sue on this, I am I am 100% on board. Uh, Governor Dayton hasn't said what he'll what he'll veto and what he won't, but I cannot believe he would He vetoed the legislative funding last year for God's sakes, people. Do you think he isn't going to veto these giant omnibus bills that are out there. Dayton did say the larger the bill, the more likely that there would be objectionable features in it. Uh, If the GOP wants to pass a bill, do what's right for Minnesota. Uh, But that's not going to happen if they lump everything together. Senate file 3656 spans 42 articles and incorporations. All of the Senate's 11 non-tax omnibus budget bills plus a heaping dose of non-fiscal policies. It passed 34-31 with zero DFL votes. Shameful. Absolutely shameful. Uh, We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the other things that are happening over at at the legislature. Tax conformity, out of control spending, out of control borrowing, oh, debt. Uh, so ridiculous. I can hardly stand it. Thankfully, it's almost over. Only two weeks more to go. But you can be sure there will be so much bad legislation rammed down our throat. And then the legislators will look, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that bad law got in there. I know how it happened because you guys didn't do your job. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. everyone thank you so much for tuning in i'm sue jeffers and i gotta tell you if you want to read the best thing about the single subject rule go to the lea website you know i talk about the 
Legislative Evaluation Assembly. Go to their website, and Gordon Anderson has written a brilliant piece on the single subject rule, explaining it to you, outlining it to you. Um, I'm hearing there are some legislators out there who are working on helping to rein things back in uh, to try and to to try to make the single subject rule apply again as well uh and all the john marty whoever anybody who's helping to work on this i'm your gal i'm in i will do whatever i can to make it happen uh remember john gilmore filled in for me last week so i wasn't there so we didn't get to talk about tax freedom day tax freedom day for 2018 is april 19th unless you live in Minnesota, to which then it's April 27th. Tax Freedom Day is important because it's how long Americans as a whole have to work in order to pay the national, uh, the nation's tax burden. Uh, tax Freedom Day on April 19th, unless you live in Minnesota, which is April 27th, you have to work 109 days into 2018. Uh, tax Freedom Day will be three days earlier than it was in 2017, due in large part because of the recent federal tax law. In 2018, Americans will pay $3.4 trillion in federal taxes, $1.8 trillion in state and local taxes for a total bill of $5.2 trillion dollars or 30 percent of the nation's income think about that how insane crazy is that minnesota by the way by the way we rank number 46 in tax freedom day he didn't see governor dayton bragging about that list that minnesota was on april 27th uh and uh we should also point out uh a text. I get really irritated. May, uh, March 15th is corporate taxes are due. April 15th, personal income taxes are due. Uh, May 15th, your property taxes are due. Uh, and I had oh, tremendous feedback from so many of you guys on some of the taxes and regulation stuff we talked about a few weeks back. Uh, so I just want to remind you of this little tax day flashback. Americans will pay $3.3 trillion in federal taxes did you hear that? $3.3 trillion in federal taxes, $1.8 trillion in local and state taxes, adding up to a total burden of $5.2 trillion. And you know what? And you know what? The federal government will still run an $800 billion deficit. Yeah, an $800 billion deficit. Uh, this this past week over at the legislature, the Minnesota Senate passed its plan to cut income, income taxes, basically conforming with the new federal tax cuts that we saw. Uh, this is a little bit different than what we saw in the House bill. Um, the bill passed Thursday would lower taxes on the first income bracket from 5.35% to 5.1%. I want you to understand that. Uh, Minnesota is so overtaxed. It is just crazy when you look at the top income. But where 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 Minnesota especially 
takes it in the shorts is with the the lower income brackets. So the poor people, the ones the Democrats pretend to really care about, and I could say the same for some Republicans as well, too, to lower that in some states have no income income tax at all. Uh, Minnesota is embarrassing high current with a current 5.35 percent. The idea now is to lower it to 5.1 percent. I hoped for more. I really wanted more from the Republicans, both the Senate bill and the House bill. Um, but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. I am. I, I'm glad that the first income bracket is going to drop to 5.1 percent. Uh, also included in the bill, it would trigger future tax cut when the state has a budget surplus, and it would also exempt uh, estates up to $5 million from taxes. It passed 34 to 32. Uh, all Every Democrat voted against it, every single one of it. So what I want you to remember is 82% of the people are going to see taxes go down. 2.1 million households will get to keep more of their pay. Uh, the lowest income, the lowest quintile, will see their percentage of income tax drop from 5.35% to 5.1%. Uh, all the popular deductions that you guys had to have is still in there. And bonus, it automatically reduces taxes if there are uh, if there are budget surpluses. What's important also about in the Senate bill, the tax cuts on the first income bracket lowering from 5.35% to 5.1%. This benefits almost every taxpayer because it applies to the first 26000 of income for a single earner. I don't think people realize how important that is. That means most of you are going to, uh, are most of you are going to see more money in your pocket. Um, it was incredible to listen to the Democrats talk about this. Um, they were furious that 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 the Republicans wanted to decrease taxes when there were surpluses. Um, you got Democrats who want to automatically increase taxes. They want to support an intimate, uh, and they want to automatically increase the minimum wage, but they don't want it the other way around. They don't want automatic decreases when when we're sitting on boatloads of money. I don't think people realize how much money the state of Minnesota is sitting on. Uh, Governor Dayton, his whole entire time in office, his goal has been to tax the snot out of all Minnesotans. Pretty much anywhere and everywhere that he could find to tax people or fee people, he did. He did. And the Democrats are now going absolutely bat poop crazy because the because they're saying that the rich are going to get a tax break. Yeah, the rich are going to get a tax break too. So are the poor. The rich deserve it. They pay most of the taxes anyway. Um, Dayton sent out Myron Franz out to um, lecture the Republicans on how irresponsible they are. And I have to give Knobloch uh, credit because he actually said to Myron France, your concerns about the budget being fiscally irresponsible bring to mind the old saying about the pot calling the kettle black. He went on to say the fact is that that your budget, Governor Dayton's budget, was not responsible. Uh, I still think they can do better, but, but we'll see. The estate tax, that's an interesting one. Uh, under existing policy, Minnesota's estate tax kicks in when an individual's wealth tops 1.4 million which is a crazy amount it should be much higher than that why should the government take the money that you've away from your 
heirs that you've worked so hard your whole entire life for. Uh, that amount is scheduled to increase to $2 million by 2018. Uh, the tax, which is levied at rates from 9 to 16%, they say it's okay to tax the snot out of, out of all these estates because it only affects some 3, 3% of the estates in Minnesota. That is absolutely crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, um, the American Exper- folks over at American Experiment did a nice job putting uh, John Phelan, is that who did it? Did a nice uh, job of putting together the cost of Minnesota's estate tax. I think I posted it up on Facebook. If I didn't, I'll try to post it up today or tomorrow. Uh, and it basically said Minnesota taxes the states more heavily than most states. Uh, it is one of only 14 states plus the District of Columbia that levy an estate tax. Eight of those 14 states and the District of Columbia have a higher exemption than we have here in the state of Minnesota. The state's starting rate of estate taxation, 12%, is higher than any of the other jurisdictions that levy one. Its top rate is 16%. The Only only the state of Washington has a higher rate than that. Uh, being as someone who uh, has felt firsthand the pain of paying estate taxes, uh, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, and it costs people their inheritance, and it just absolutely shouldn't. Um, Don't forget your property taxes are due May 15th. Maybe we'll try to talk about that next week. We're actually seeing some articles um, about people in Minneapolis especially, St. Paul too, uh, some of the um, suburbs, uh, rising home values and how these rising home values affect uh, not only property owners, but they affect renters too. And I was really shocked to see that the Minnesota Daily was trying to explain to the kids how uh, the renters who live by the University of Minnesota, mostly students who, the, not all students, but a lot of a lot of students over there, how home prices were going up in Como, Prospect Park, Marcy Homes, and Cedar Riverside, anywhere from seven percent to eleven percent, and they and they think I don't, I don't care, I'm just a renter. Well, you know what? When the when the property values go up and your property taxes go up, guess what? Rent goes up. So you should care. Uh, maybe we'll talk about property taxes next week. I think that would be um, a good one. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to I want to tell you some more uh, crazy things that are happening over at the legislature. Um, I also want you to remember this number: eight hundred eight hundred and seventy three thousand five hundred and ninety three dollars per year per year. $873,593 per year. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what it means when we come back. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. everyone thank you so much for tuning in really appreciated it really appreciated today okay eight hundred and seventy three thousand five hundred and ninety three dollars per year do you know what it is eight hundred and seventy three thousand five hundred and ninety three dollars per year it's the debt service it's the debt service minnesota has to pay before they spend one dime 
on anything else. And I have told you about so many of the bad, horrible ideas over at the Capitol uh, by Democrats and Republicans, uh, the out-of-control spending, the omnibus bills. Uh, let's talk for a minute about the bonding bill. We shouldn't even have a bonding bill this year. Minnesota's sitting on billions. There's, what, $2 billion in the rainy day fund? We're still continuing to tax the snot out of Minnesota's, tax the snot out of corporations. By the way, that corporate tax, I don't know where the Republicans were. Why didn't you lower that corporate tax rate? That corporate tax rate, A, is chasing businesses out of here. But the corporate tax rate, by the way, people, is passed on to you through higher prices for your products, for your goods, for your services. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I thought we were going to try to make Minnesota a little more tax friendly. Uh, Yeah, well, you know what? I'll take what we can get. But I sure as heck am expecting a whole lot more once we get a Republican, uh, a Republican in there. Okay. So normally during the legislative session, one year they do the budget, the next year they do the bonding. They threw that out the window, oh, years ago, years and years and years ago. They pretty much pass a billion dollars worth of bonding every single year now. So even though we had a billion dollars worth of bonding last year, this year is the so-called bonding year. Uh, So we're going to have another billion-dollar bonding bill. Governor Dayton came in. uh, He said, I have a bonding bill for $1.5 billion. The people all around or the government entities around the state and what we determined the so-called needs were for this borrowing to max out the the state's credit card um, totaled over $3 billion. Well, guess what? When 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 you say, hey, we got free money, who wants it? Uh, everybody's going to want something. Everybody's going to have their hand out. I was furious with the Senate um, Investment Committee, whatever they're called, Capital Investment. They went touring all over the state, looking at all these. uh, They went everywhere, north, south, east, west, looking at all these um, cities and counties and towns. And, you know, we need this. And and some of them are legitimate. Some of them are legitimate. They need help with the wastewater treatment plant. They need help with this. They need help with that. But you know what? To come up with $3 billion, you had to have some doozies put on that list. So you got $3 billion worth of requests for this money on the state's credit card. Governor Dayton picks $1.5 billion, and the House Republicans unveiled their $825 million bonding proposal, and Governor Dayton says, says, where's the other half? Now, does anybody believe that the Republicans will stick to their guns and that we'll actually get, uh, that was kind of funny, stick to their guns? Yeah, okay, never mind. Um, the, does anyone believe that the House Republicans will, will stick with that $825 million bonding proposal, proposal? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Um, the the out-of-control spending, the out-of-control bonding, it, it's just... Oh, my gosh. The omnibus. Is that really Republicans? You wonder why you're going to lose seats in the House? Trust me. The I, I well, the Minnesota Senate is not up uh, up for reelection. The Minnesota House is up for reelection. And I think most of the Minnesota House members will keep their seats. I think a couple will get flipped. Uh, one way or the other, both ways, actually. I think the Republicans will maintain the majority, but it will be a smaller majority than what they have right now. I hope after the next election, 
the first thing the Republicans do in caucus is throw Kurt Dowd out of that leadership position. What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. This is this. You know what? The Democrats are 100 percent right when they say this has been an absolutely ridiculous way to pile all this spending, all these uh, all this stuff into these giant omnibus bills and ram them through. And they've they've been taken to the cleaners by Mark Dayton before. I just don't have a lot of confidence that under Gazelka's leadership and under Kurt Doubt's leadership that we're going to see anything different this time. So there have been a whole bunch of a whole bunch of bad ideas thrown thrown out there. You know, I, I, I often talk about how the Democrats are the party of bad ideas. So taxes, spending, borrowing, they don't understand economics, uh, health care, failing schools, labor, amnesty, open borders, welfare, the environment, guns, voter ID laws, identity politics. The, the Democrats are the party of bad ideas. It's part of the reason Trump won this last election. This utopian uh, world view by the left is absolutely ridiculous, and we don't want people to be united with a single uh, a single mind. We don't want our legislators to be activists. We want them we want them to do the right thing for Minnesota and for the United States of America. You know, I'll tell you, there is not a day that goes by that I don't thank God Hillary is not our president. There is not a day that goes by that I don't think, man, did we dodge a bullet there. And we'll talk a little bit more about this next week because Hillary Clinton actually said uh, being identified as a capitalist probably hurt her in the primary because so many Democrats are socialists. So I want you to think about that. Think about that. It's just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And and oh, I can't hardly stand it. So this week, uh, this upcoming week, with roughly two weeks left in the legislative session, uh, the House and the Senate are going to be expected to vote on these giant omnibus bills. Uh, the House is um, is looking at paid parental leave for Minnesota legislative employees. They're looking at net neutrality. They're looking at distracted driving laws. They're looking at the Met Council. Julie Rosen said the penny a pill, the penny a pill to combat the fake opioid crisis uh, was, was still alive and well. I want you to think about this one too. Governor Dayton, this makes me so mad. Governor Dayton's thrown at least $100 million with the help of Republicans and Democrats, at least $100 million on mental health initiatives. Uh, so you've got all this money, $100 million, that's now flowing into this mental health pipeline. We have no idea where the money's going. We have no idea if the money's um, being used on effective programs. Do the programs work? Are they doing what they're supposed to do? Have we looked at the old programs? Why weren't they working? We are talking hundreds of millions of dollars that's being spent all under the umbrella of mental health, and nobody knows if it, nobody knows if it's going to work or if it's, if it's not working. So let's think about this. Minshear tweeted out today, men, it's Mental Health Month, and then they tweeted out, mental health services are covered under all plans sold through the Minshear marketplace. Yet here you have the state of Minnesota. 
here you have the state of Minnesota still throwing hundreds of millions of dollars into government programs to pay for mental health, not just physical health, but mental health. And the idea that they're going to raise even more money on the penny a pill drives me absolutely crazy. You've got this false premise that it's the doctors who are overprescribing that is the cause of the fake opioid crisis. They've got this fake solution that they want to put in place that if the government steps in between the doctor and patient and regulates prescriptions that they can cure this. They also have this ridiculous idea that they can pass on just a little, just a little fee for the for um, a penny a pill, just a penny a pill. No, you know, people who who need that pain medication, people who need that for their quality of life, true chronic pain, people who are in chronic pain, those are the ones that suffer. Not only that, but it will it will drive up the cost, uh, drive up the cost of 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 prescriptions for opioids, which will not only impact our pocketbook, not only impact every government program. Uh, and you know what? You know what? The Tribune actually wrote an op-ed last week saying that the legislature should hold the drug industry financially accountable for the opiate uh, ec- epidemic. Are they idiots? Are they so stupid they don't understand economics? Do they not realize that if if the legislature goes after the drug industry, does the is the drug industry going to pick up that tab? No, we're going to pick up that tab. We are going to pick up that tab. They are so quick at throwing a premise out there. It's the doctor's fault. It's the pharmacy. It's the the drug company's fault. It's everybody's fault. But the but they refuse to look at immigration. They refuse to uh, act. I take that back. The Star Tribune actually did an article last Sunday about the Mexican drug cartels and how it's perpetuated the meth problem here in Minnesota. But they never say, let's go after the Mexican drug cartel. No, no. Let's go after the doctors. Let's go after the pharmacy. Let's go after the the drug companies. Let's get. Yeah. And you know who suffers? The real people, the real people who who need it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. There's more. There's still more. I, you know, it's these last two weeks drive me so crazy as they shove all this stuff, uh, all this stuff in there. Um, oh, well, lots more coming. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Stan and I are arguing over the opioid crisis. Big we'll, surprise. We'll talk about that next week, okay? Okay, Let's, let's good. talk it's about on. that. Stan's wrong. I'm right. We'll talk about it next week. I just sit over here and push buttons. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, folks. Uh, Minnesota um, state spending on education, $19 billion for the 1819 biennium. And... Uh, it just drives me absolutely crazy. Dayton wants one more massive payoff for education in Minnesota. This week he called for $137.9 million in emergency one-time funding to increase resources for every Minnesota school district. And, of course, the educa- Education Minnesota says, nope, we need way more money. Dayton says we've got to have, um, we got to have a whole bunch 
we've got to have a whole bunch of money. This is emergency one-time funding. Dayton's also going on saying, oh, wait a minute, we got to get more three- and four-year-olds into school programs. In the meantime, our programs are failing another generation of kids, especially in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, And we had 10 school districts who entered into agreements with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights over discipline disparities. This is unbelievable. Uh, I have now put that in my pile um, next week or next week that we'll, we'll get to next week. But here's where I want the Republicans to have a backbone. Here's where I want them to step up and say, hey, we have funded billions and billions of dollars. In, in, in 2010, 2011, edu- education in Minnesota, $12 billion. Uh, again, in fiscal year 1819, $19 billion. Not to mention a boatload of one time, oh, here, have, a, have $50 million here and $100 million there and $300 million there and $250 million there. This is just so crazy. Uh, a good thing that happened over over at the Capitol this week. It's not not all doom and gloom. Not all. Okay, most of it is. Um, Jason Lewis is really trying to uh, make a difference in the Met Council. We have watched the Met Met Council uh, spiral out of control. Thanks for nothing, Tim Pawlenty. We asked you to get rid of the Met Council, and Tim Pawlenty said, no, we'll use it for the things we want to use it for. And, yeah, it has spiraled crazy, crazy, crazy out of control. Uh, Jason Lewis is trying to address this issue um, from the the federal level. Uh, No surprise, the Tribune says Jason Lewis and the feds should keep their hands off the Met Council. I don't care if it's done from Washington, D.C. I don't care if it's done from the state of Minnesota, but something has to be done to fix or rein in or, best of all, eliminate the Met Council. Eric Pratt came out and said the Met Council has effectively become an offshoot of the executive branch rather than working for the people it represents, and that is 100% true. And I also want to give Michelle Benson a pat on the back because when the Tribune came out and, and told Jason Lewis and the feds to back off the Met Council, Michelle Benson rightfully pointed out that the Tribune didn't talk to the cities and counties that were being impacted by the Met Council. The Tribune has never tried to get a meeting with the Met Council to talk about local interest issues, never tried to talk to Jason Lewis, never tried to talk to Eric, Eric Pratt, who, by the way, Jason, uh, uh, Jason Lewis and Eric Pratt, they did the rate. They did the research. They did their work. They know what they're talking about. Uh, and we've got to We've got to change. And the Tribune came back and talked about local control. Well, the whole reason we have the Met Council is because they're federally mandated, federally mandated. Uh, they only exist because the federal government makes us, made us, made the Minnesota legislature, put them into law. And the bottom line is it's out of control. You had the chair of the Met Council. What's his name? Chernomorano. I don't even know what his name is. 
uh, and I'm not, I, well, you, obviously, I, can, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not even going to try. The chair of the Met Council was making the case for another $50 million in bonding requests, um, telling them how broke the Met Council is, <laughs> that the Met Council is going to have a 95 to $100 million in, by 2020-2021. Uh, stop building light rail trains! Stop building trains to nowhere! Oh, it's just crazy. But probably the craziest thing of all, craziest thing of all, this week, uh, Minneapolis became the 65th. I talk about I talk about insane city councils all the time. Next week, I'm going to talk about New Brighton. They're crazy. You got I got a petition I want you folks in New Brighton to sign. So if you know someone in New Brighton or if you live in New Brighton, call me, contact me, get a hold of me so that you can sign this petition because our mayor and our city council are crazy. And we'll talk about that next week. Um, in fact, uh, Gina Bauman had an excellent letter to the article, art, letter to the editor in one of our local papers. I can't remember if it was the Focus or the... Uh, bulletin. It's okay. We'll talk about it next week. Um, I actually have a copy of it somewhere. I'm, uh, I want to read it to you because it's brilliant. Um, and I like to talk about local control and or, or what some people say, loco control. Um, Minneapolis, they are just a radio host's gift. Uh, Minneapolis became the 65th U.S. city to adopt a 100% renewable go- renewables goal. It's a flat-out lie. It's an absolute flat-out lie. And I want to give, is this American Experiment? Yep, American Experiment credit. I know I put this up on my Facebook page. Go to the American Experiment um, page or website. Uh, read it for yourself. Minneapolis City Council and Mayor Jacob Fry announced last Friday uh, the city's pledge to achieve 100% renewable electricity for municipal facilities and operations by 2022 and citywide by 2030. Uh, Isaac Orr did a, had a great piece. He pointed out, according to Echo Watch, the measure approved unanimously by the Minneapolis City Council, with the council claiming the resolution was crafted in response to the threat of climate change that is caused primarily by the combustion of fossil fuels, which is a flat-out lie. You can't give up these premise. Be, be, to, you can't give up a false premise you have to fight it all the way from the very beginning. So um, thank you, Isaac Orr. Thank you, American Experiment, for pointing out, A, the city of Minneapolis won't actually run on 100% renewable energy. Unless the city of Minneapolis plans on running on hydroelectric power, which they don't, there is no way the city could possibly run on 100% renewable energy. Wind and solar can only produce electricity when the wind is blowing or the sun is shining. Where do we live? Minnesota. Uh As a result, the city of Minneapolis will continue to have to buy their electricity from the grid, which is mostly powered from, are you ready for it? Coal nuclear plant and nuclear plants along with smaller contributions from wind natural gas and solar in order to meet the claim of 100% renewable this this is the part that probably makes me the most angry minneapolis will most likely purchase renewable energy certificates renewable energy certificates are the well they're creative accounting 
They're the creative accounting mechanism that allows the sale for the sale of renewable energy credits. Oh, somebody is making so much money on this stuff. It's just, you know, when you think, when you hear green nonsense like this, think, follow the money. Follow the money. So once you've got a system in place of these renewable energy credits, uh, it's possible to buy green electricity. You just buy some electricity from anywhere. doesn't matter. You buy the same amount of greenness in the form of these certificates, and boom, all your electricity is green. But your electricity isn't really green. They're just saying it is because you, you, you bought these energy certificates. It's just a piece of paper. Uh, it simply means businesses and families will have to pay more money in taxes so the city can purchase the same electricity they would have bought anyway. Uh, the extra cost will probably not be absorbed by reducing the pay of Mayor Fry or the city council. I think that's so funny. Remember, they just voted themselves a $10,000 raise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'll be passed on um in, in fact, it says Minneapolis is already paying a premium for electricity because it had entered into similar agreements to purchase renewable energy already. These agreements have resulted in the city paying an extra 6 to 12% for electricity. So I want you to remember that every time you pay your electric bill, um, the, it's a great article. You can finish reading it at the, at the American, uh, American Experiment website, and it's uh, Minneapolis becomes the 65th city to adopt 100% fraudulent renewable goals. Yeah, crazy people. Just absolutely crazy. All right, so next week, uh, don't call in next week because we're taping it because Stan's going fishing. What are you talking about on your show today? Ice out well, on Lake Minnetonka? Yeah, that stuff. Of course, the governor's opener next week. We got a couple of pros on again today, so we'll get some tips on that. Oh, so and much fun. I don't want to see a picture of you on social media looking like you drank the whole night before, though. Ah, oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Stan. Have some fun. Maybe I'll have a toast with Mr. Dayton. We're happy to... You were with Tina Smith last time. Ooh, I didn't even get to talk about how far left she was going. Yeah, well, <laughs> next week. We're loaded for bear, and it's not even next week yet. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Pay attention to what's happening over at the Capitol. Pay attention. These last two weeks, nobody's safe. Have a great weekend. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.